You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm Ryan. Thanks for listening. On this week, I talked with Bruce Wesley about spiritual disciplines, what they are, what their purpose is, and how to look at them in a God-honoring way. All right, Bruce, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Ryan. All right, so we've been in a series called Godspeed, all about slowing down. In some of the series, we've been talking about some issues that we have collectively as a culture within our lives that cause us to run at a, a much faster speed than maybe God would intend us to, to run. So we've talked about being too busy and being too distracted, too independent or self-reliant. Um, and as part of that, we've each week talked about a different practice or a rhythm of life that we can incorporate into our lives that we can adopt to help run at God's speed instead of our own speed. So um, throughout this series, we've talked about spiritual disciplines, which I think mm-hmm. uh, brings up a lot of great questions about what are spiritual disciplines? How is that different than uh, legalism? And so I want us to maybe begin our conversation today with some definitions before we jump into what some spiritual disciplines are. So yeah, um, yeah define some terms for us. What are spiritual disciplines? What's the purpose? So I, I think it's good to even talk in terms of definitions because we need to rub some of the mystique off of the whole idea of spiritual disciplines, right? So disciplines are just practices, things that we do that help us connect with God. And so when we talk about spiritual disciplines, uh, there are a couple of metaphors that I think are most helpful. Um, one of them is the farming metaphor. You made mention of this in, in your message, actually, about how God uses the metaphor of farming often, not just because there was an agrarian culture in the Bible, but because it uh, implies slowness. It, this, you know, these things that we do that you know we don't see any result immediately. It just takes time, and so I want to build that out just a little bit. Uh, when you think about what disciplines are, because uh, in the in farming, a farmer will plow and plant and weed and water and all of those things that he or she is doing is not really producing the fruit, right? I mean, so we're acting on the soil in a way that maybe we're cooperating with what God's wanting to do or will do uh, in the soil, and ultimately God gives the growth. And so disciplines are like that. Disciplines are things that we do that in themselves don't produce spiritual fruit, but hopefully cultivate a heart in us where God can bring about a spiritual growth. So in in a lot of ways, it's cooperating with God. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think when people think of the word discipline that's usually not like, oh yeah, like that would be fun to engage <laughs> yeah, in some disciplines there. So there's an it's aspect- like spanking your kid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's an aspect of, yeah, there, it requires some effort and requires some, uh, you know, deep work, spiritual work, thinking, um, but that's the, yeah, cultivating that soil for God to, to work in. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I think in that sense, discipline is a good word mm-hmm. because these are practices that we want to maintain, even if they're difficult, uh, make them a pattern in our life uh, because in spite of you know maybe not getting results immediately, in the long term, they are the things that God uses to build our character you know, along the way. Um, you know, I said there are two metaphors. I'll give you the second one because the second one comes straight out of the Bible. So the passage is 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 says this, rather train yourself for godliness. 
for a while, bodily training is of some value. Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So godliness being like God, uh, it has benefit in this life and for the life to come. But the uh, the metaphor really is born out of this idea of of uh, training, or any, you could even talk about whether I know you're a runner or you're a you know Ironman triathlete and all that. Uh, so training is something that we do that is different than competing. Mm-hmm. Training prepares us to compete. Uh, I think it was Dallas Willard who said we we can do by training what we can never do by trying. So training strengthens us to do what we couldn't do if we didn't do the training. So you can use you know any sport that includes training, you know whether it's running or lifting weights or whatever. Um, and so spiritual disciplines then are those things that we do that are the training of our soul. And of, in and of themselves, they are not the primary value, if you will. Right, uh, it's kind of like I, I liken it, liken it also to uh, in, in the business world. They talk about lead measures and lag measures, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, a lead measure, for instance, if you wanted to lose weight, might be I'm going to I'm going to limit myself to 1,500 calories a day, and that's a lead measure because I can control that and I lead with that. That may even be the discipline, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the lag measure, which would be the real goal, would be I'm going to lose 10 pounds. Well, I can't just lose 10 pounds, but what I can do, what I can control is I can only eat 1,500 calories a day. So again, disciplines are like that. These things that we do, that we choose to do with the hope that the lag measure is that we connect with God in fresh new ways and it transforms our character, our relationship to God, with God and um, avails ourselves to the purposes of God. Doesn't it seem like maybe one of the challenges with spiritual disciplines is that it isn't, it's not scientific as much as we like to. Like right. we, we like to think of almost lead measures and lag measures, like here's a goal, whatever that might be uh, in spiritual growth. And so all I have to do is do these inputs, the lead, the lead measures to help, you know, have that kind of output, that, that result in there. Um, yeah. I think that's sometimes can be maybe even frustrating for people. Absolutely. Who, it's like, I don't, I can't even define the goal because there is, I can't assign a number to like, you know, I, I want to grow you know, to a level 10 of, of a Christian or whatever that is. And so I better read the Bible this many minutes a day and, you know, pray this many minutes. And all of a sudden I'm going to see that kind of growth in six months time. And right. so it's, it's just hard to measure that. It is hard to measure. And some of that I think may be rooted in our tendency to have a transactional relationship with God. Absolutely. Whereas, you know, I'm going, God, I want to pay this much. I'm going to fast this much. I'm going to read this much of the Bible. I'm going to go to church this much. And now you then are going to do, uh, what are you going to do, God? I mean, are you going to come through for me? me or not. You're going to answer my prayers. You're going to give me all the money I need, whatever it is. And so we think because we do what we should do, then God's going to then pay us back. We earn or we deserve uh, something because we've done these disciplines. And that's not what disciplines are about at all. Yeah. And it almost seems like oftentimes God helps us to see that by doing the exact opposite you know, to kind <laughs> of show us that like, yeah, that's not how that works, yeah. which really, I guess, gets us to, to legalism. So we've kind of pitted spiritual disciplines against legalism. What What is legalism? Because it almost seems like that's what you described in this transactional idea of like, I do this and God's going to give me something in return. Yeah, that's exactly where my mind went. You know, anytime we 
use language like earn or deserve, uh, then we know that we're at least flirting and probably in the fat middle of, uh, flirting with or in the fat middle of legalism, right? So um, legalism in its essence, as I understand it, is when we think that somehow we can earn or deserve favor with God. And obviously that translates into disciplines uh, being legalistic if we think that by doing them we earn or deserve favor with God. And I do think that's frustrating for people because they think, you know, well, I'm doing all the right things. I mean, you know, I've said that. Others have said that to me. I'm doing all the right things. I'm reading my Bible. You know, I I gave some money on Sunday or whatever it is. And yet uh, my car still broke down or, you know, they they feel like life is uh, still hard for them. And, uh, And so if I think as a legalist, then... I'm going to expect things from God because I earn or deserve them. You know, so that's the essence I think of legalism. Uh, I like what this uh, this group called the Alabaster Group. I don't know who that is, um, but I mean it's a it's it's a, a school of thought that really focuses on the grace of God in our spiritual formation. So uh, this is their phrase, though. That's why I noted them. Legalism loves law, and discipline loves God. And that resonates with me Mm. because legalism loves this idea that if I do the right things, then I'm going to get what I need to get in return. And that's why legalists hate it when somebody misbehaves or they don't live live up to all the disciplines or whatever that, you know, they as a religious person think the other person should. And then that other person gets blessed. It doesn't fit their paradigm, right? It's like, how did good things happen to you? Because, you know... Legalists love laws. Yeah, you break the law, you pay. You know, but discipline loves God. Meaning, um, there are the the real driver behind all of our discipline is our love of God, and because we love Him, we want to know Him, please Him, serve Him, and disciplines are our way of training to do that. So what are some spiritual disciplines that have been helpful in, in your spiritual life? I know you've been a follower of Jesus for a number of years now. And so as you look back at the, the decades of walking with, with Jesus, what have been some things that have really helped you grow? Yeah, I, uh, man, I am so grateful that I came to faith in Jesus right on the, um, really right in the middle of a discipleship movement in America. So it was really common when I was a young Christian to have uh, small groups that really focused on disciplines, spiritual disciplines. And so there are a number of different disciplines that even as a teenager, uh, I was taught and urged to practice. And I'm so grateful for all those things. And yet the the one that probably I, I didn't understand at least, and maybe wasn't taught, okay? Because sometimes you're taught something, you just didn't get it. Um, But it was Christian community. And I think it's important to say Christian community, right? Because we can have community. We're we're made for relationship. We can have real connection with people, and it's meaningful. But Christian community is this connection is centered in Jesus. So we are together uh, following, seeking to grow in Jesus, and help 
each other grow in Jesus. And so it really wasn't until we started Clear Creek Community Church, honestly, that I feel like um, the heart of Christian community began to take root in my life. Um, And all of a sudden, I got real encouragement from people, you know, in my faith. And I, I felt like there was such mutuality that it, me being the pastor of the church, that wasn't an issue because we met at Jesus, not at our, our role in the life of the church or something like that. So anyway, that, that one I think is, um, is so profound for me because, you know, ever since that time and really even before that, I mean, I, I led small groups, but uh, since that time, it's been more about the community of being in group and really doing life together as we follow Jesus together. So that's one. I've got a few others I'll mention. You can stop me. No, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the second one is tithing. And tithing is, um, I think for some people, you know, it, they break out in a rash when you say tithing, uh, either because they don't think the New Testament teaches tithing or because it's about money. And uh, and maybe some will think I have a, a, another agenda right here. But no, in my own walk with God, tithing which is the Old Testament teaching that the first tenth belongs to God and that we give it to God. Um, my view is that Jesus did not, um, you know, he, he didn't remove the tithe. Uh, rather, he, he added to the tithe. You know, he, he helped us focus on grace giving and what grace giving is about. But just like the law is described as a tutor that teaches us about sin and about the holiness of God, uh, but Jesus is the real thing. In the same way, tithing was kind of like this, this tutor that teaches. And so for me, um, what I found myself doing is if I just focused on giving, I would give when it was convenient or I would give an amount that I could, quote, afford. And, you know, afford means once I'd taken care of all of my wants, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I learned to give that first tenth to God, this felt like discipline. It felt like, no, this, it doesn't matter what, what else I have coming up. The discipline in my life is that I give to God first because as I give to God first, I'm showing that I love God first. I love him more than all the stuff that I could buy, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, right, I'm not saying that. I was just uh, effusing this kind of deep love for God. Like, uh, I'm saying I was training myself mm-hmm. to love God first. So anyway. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. One of the things I've heard you say multiple times is, you know, about how... Uh, first, you make your commitments, and then your commitments make you right. right. So, I mean, you, you you're engaging in this discipline, and then God's using that discipline to to start shaping your heart and change you and uh, and grow you. So, yeah, yeah, definitely see that. That's ab- absolutely true. And if you think about it, tithing also addresses the number one idol in our culture because money is probably well, besides kids, uh, the number one idol in our culture. And it, uh, it says, no, I'm not going to worship that idol. I'm going to have God uh, first in my life. And if you tie, that doesn't mean you can't have a love for money. Obviously, we have other areas to repent of, uh, with money. But it's a great place to train your heart. Another one for me is journaling. I've been journaling since literally um, since I was probably 14 years old. And journaling for me is uh, a way I slow down 
and I listen because, you know, when you're writing longhand, you, everything goes slower. And so I write prayers. I write what I'm learning uh, as I read the Bible. Uh, I write what I think God wants me to do. And so one of the practices of journaling is going back mm-hmm. uh, a week or a month or a year and seeing what I was writing then to say, okay, have I followed through? You know, have I done what I, I said I believe God wanted me to do? Or am I praying about my struggle with the same issues, you know, and it's still going on a year later, then all of that helps me uh, have perspective on kind of the movement uh, going on in my life. Uh, I know not everyone likes to journal, but uh, I have found it to be one of the most important disciplines in my life. Hmm. That's good. What else you got on your list? Scripture memory. Scripture memory is um, probably as formational as any other thing in my life. I think um, scripture memory is meditation. So, you know, when we think about Christian meditation uh, in our day, you know, there's a lot of talk about meditation and stuff, uh, but Christian, me- Christian meditation is really about meditating on what, who God is and what God has said. And so scripture memory is simply meditating on scripture. It's a way to meditate on scripture. Uh, the only way we really maintain scripture memory is if we continually review our passages that we're memorizing with others. And of course, that, we do that in my small group. But the, the um, loss of those things doesn't mean you, you lost it. I mean, you didn't really lose it. We always have some recollection of the passages that we've memorized, but we've spent that time meditating on the scripture so that we value every bit of what God says in his word. So uh, that's been uh, an awesome um, impact on my life. And I, I use that word intentionally. I mean, it's been a profound kind of impact to, to memorize scripture. Have you been able to think of maybe specific moments where something was going on in life and some passage that you had worked to memorize just all of a sudden came to mind and you're thinking, oh, wow, like this is why, this is why God wanted me to, to memorize this particular passage. You know, in my small group, we ask that question every week. We, we go through our scripture memory and then I ask the question, um, so how has the Spirit called this to mind this week? And almost every week, not always, but almost every week, someone will call up a situation where in this moment, you know, I was talking to my, my daughter, I was talking to my boss, whatever, and uh, the Spirit brought that to mind so that, you know, when the, the Scripture abides in us, it bears fruit. And that's one of the places that it bears fruit. You know, um, in, something else came to my mind in, when you asked that question, though, and that is just those moments, those profound moments where maybe through my journaling, maybe through scripture memory, uh, God just brought a passage to mind. So it's in the disciplines that I encountered God saying something to me around a certain challenge I was facing. Uh, in the earlier days of Clear Creek, I, we planted Clear Creek when um, a friend of mine was planting a church that if I call the name of it, people would know it, um, in Houston, it's a, it's a large church. And there were only a handful of church planters that I knew. So we would all get together about once a month and just kind of catch up and pray for each other and talk about what we're learning and that kind of thing. And um, <laughs> this, this other church, man, it was going up and to the right. And 
they were having so much success, I found myself becoming jealous. And I didn't think of myself as being a jealous person, but I'm a very competitive person. And uh, so I'm reading the scriptures one day in John chapter 3. I'm going to read the text, beginning verse 26. And it says, And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness. He's talking about Jesus. Look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. And John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it's given him from heaven. And I felt like the Lord was saying to me in that moment, first of all, uh, God chooses what he wants to do with any work that he's doing. So if he wants Clear Creek to be this size, that size, whatever, that's that's up to God. Um, But we should receive everything God gives us but we can't receive something that God didn't give us, right? And so my friend, God's doing this work over there in, in their church, and I rejoice in that. But I simply need to be responsive to what God's doing in me. I got to tell you, that's been profound for me for, you know, 25 plus years now since that, that happened um, to, to not think too much of myself or too little of myself that really at the end of the day, don't we all just want to be available and say, Lord, use me how you choose at the end of the day. That's, that's all we can ask. And uh, so anyway, that was a passage that helped me with that. You know, you think back to that time whenever you were struggling with that, I'm sure it was really frustrating and you're feeling all those things, but it's interesting because I've heard you tell that story before. I've heard you, I mean, it's, it's impacted me. Uh, it's impacted the church. And I've heard you tell it before, you know, other church planters. And so just to think about something that was really frustrating for you, but yet God showed you that, hey, it's not about you. It's about what I'm doing. And, um, you know, just to think about that that lesson, how how much it's gone through over the last, you know, however many years ago yeah. it, it was, 25 years ago, yeah. that, you know, you were thinking all those things. And the frustration has turned to great freedom. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about what Jesus said, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it's given him from heaven. All right, I'm free. You know, I, I don't have to go uh, slay all the dragons. I just receive what the Lord gives. Just wake up every day and be faithful. I mean, as fully faithful as I know how to be, which I'm not like touting myself like I'm always faithful. Uh, I, I wish that were true. But nevertheless, uh, as I seek to be faithful, I just receive what the Lord gives. Yeah. All right. So if you go in and did a Google search on a bunch of different spiritual disciplines, you know, I found all kinds of different lists. And obviously, like, you know, the the ones you think of, Bible reading, prayer, uh, scriptural memory, uh, you know, even community or Christian community, uh, you know, those are the top of the list. But then there's some other obscure ones or, or ones that are less talked about, maybe even less practiced. And you mentioned earlier um, meditation, and there's, there's probably a distinction between meditation and Christian meditation. So I think that's one. Uh, but also even fasting is one that I think a lot of people ask about. And maybe there's a distinction as well between fasting and Christian fasting, Fasting, because I think right. there's a lot of different kinds of fasting out there today. Uh, so maybe talk a little bit about what is fasting and what is the purpose and why, why is that not on the top of the list? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not on the top of the list because people like food. Yeah. <laughs> people like to eat, right? Uh, but it, it was... In the mind of Jesus, it was clearly a, a discipline that he th- 
he believed that people practiced because in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you know, he said he didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast, and then gives instructions about not drawing attention to yourself when you fast. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, man, that's it's hard not to do, right? Because yeah. if, if I'm if I'm not eating, and people are saying, "Hey, man, why, why aren't you eating?" Yeah, you normally are eating. Because <laughs> I love Jesus, yeah. and so I, you know, yeah. I'm going on this fast. Uh, um, and so th- that Jesus says, "Don't do that." Um, but fasting. I think it, I think people don't practice it partly because they don't understand, partly because it is a a, a practice of disciplining, uh, not punishing, disciplining the flesh, the desires of the body, and so in fasting, as, as I understand it, we we really do uh, two primary things: we make less of ourselves and we make more of God. So we. We make less of ourselves by not letting our flesh um, tell us what to do, let our desires tell us what to do. Because, um, you know, when we're shooting this, I ate lunch not very long ago, and I can tell you my body was telling me what to do, and I was obeying my body because mm-hmm. uh, I was hungry. And, uh, and yet, to follow Jesus, and this is why discipline is a hard word, right? To follow Jesus, there are times that we just say no to our desires. And in doing so, we uh, are declaring the lordship of Jesus over our lives. It's not only, though, saying no to ourselves. It's saying you know yes to God. It's seeking God. And so the practice of fasting is creating space in our lives where we turn our minds and our hearts to God. And so in lieu of food, we, we pray or we meditate, uh, think about the work of God in our life or the work of God in the gospel or any, any work of God. So uh, as best I understand, those are the essentials uh, involved in fasting. Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think one, I think one challenge that people have with fasting is I, I, just probably the way that our culture even views food. I think it kind of messes people up in their yeah. head. It's thinking, oh, well, man, maybe I, maybe I can basically spiritualize a diet, right? Like yeah. I, I'm going to go on a diet and then I'm going to say it's a, it's a kind of fast or I'm going to do this fast, but then it's going to, um, maybe I'll lose some weight at the same time, right? And so, um, which it's not really what Jesus has in mind. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's designed to increase our hunger for God or at least to know uh how we can be satisfied, you know, where our hunger, where our hunger can be satisfied in him. And so I think that's one, one way I'd almost even caution some people to think that, you know, work through some of those issues that you might even have around food. So that way that the focus isn't so much on the food and not eating that food and what that physical outcome might be, but more on the spiritual outcome and how that, you know, can grow your, your heart and love for God. Yeah, I mean the experiences I've had with fasting, uh, as I've talked to others, you know, they'll say, "Well, don't fast from this time to this time. Fast from this time to that time because you're going to be less hungry." And it's like, well, I don't think that's the point, uh, and and I don't think it's wrong to think through those things. What we really should be thinking is, I think, plan it in a way that when you are hungry, you can pay attention. You know, because if you're if you're hungry, but you're so crazy busy because you're running nuts doing all this other stuff, then your hunger probably is having less of an impact on your relationship with God. But if you can be hungry in those times when you can actually pay attention to that, it might be more helpful. Yeah. 
All right, another one I saw on the list that, yeah, I guess caught my eye because you don't think of it as a spiritual discipline is celebration. So what, what's the deal with celebration? How is that a spiritual discipline? Well, <laughs> it's funny you bring this one up because I, I really don't think of celebration as a discipline so much, but I should because, uh, you know, uh, I laugh around here with one of one of our other pastors about how we, we're not very good at celebrating because when people do really well, you know, we're like, well, of course, that's what you're supposed to do, right? And uh, and we're, we've tried to discipline ourselves to, to celebrate people and circumstances, you know, or situations, you know, like, um, so I, part of the discipline for me is, uh, writing notes, trying to look for good things that I, I see going on in people's lives or, you know, people do, making hard choices, making sacrifices and, uh, wanting to celebrate that and writing notes. I don't naturally lean that way. It's just the acknowledgement that, I I don't lean that way very well that I have begun to practice these disciplines of celebration. You know, there's a passage that talks about how we, you know, we eat the fat and we drink the wine and I always make a joke about that, that, uh, it, but I really do practice this. If it's a celebration, if we're taking time to say to someone, you matter and we want to celebrate you, then I'm... I'm going to participate in that celebration. So it doesn't matter if I've sworn off sugar, for instance, I'm going to eat what's in front of me and celebrate with them. And uh, I think that's, I think that's important to do. So, you know, get out of your chair and get on the dance floor at the wedding. Yeah. I don't care if you like to dance, you know, because you're, you're celebrating people. Yeah. All right, another one on that list I, I saw that you had down is, uh, is reading. How is reading a spiritual discipline? Yeah, I, I think spiritual disciplines, and, and again, you know, what's the official list of spiritual disciplines? Because I would challenge people, you're not going to open the Bible and find any one place where there's this list, list of spiritual disciplines. But uh, reading is a form of Christian community. If you think about it, books are people. And so if you, if you want to sit down with someone who has expertise in an area that you need in your life, then read a book. Right, because books are people. This, these are just this person's thoughts, but they're processed thoughts. Right? I mean, they're he's poured over, she's poured over these thoughts, and uh, and so they're they're put in a book. So for me, what I've found is I, I have to have a discipline in my life where I'm regularly taking in um, the you know prepared thoughts of other people that I respect, uh, and it just helps me grow. Mm. All right. So speaking of books, what are some books that you found helpful about spiritual disciplines you'd recommend? Well, you know, spiritual disciplines are a big deal to me. So I've read a lot of books on spiritual disciplines. So it's kind of a long list and I'll, I'll try to be clear yeah. though. A classic book, if, if you tend to be, you know, I want, to, I want the classic work. It's Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Richard Foster's Quaker. <clears throat> and um, so he writes from almost a professorial kind of feel, but it's it's not an onerous book in any way. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a great reference book, I find, because each chapter is a different spiritual discipline. So yes. if you ever want to go back and say, ah, I want to know more about fasting, you can just jump straight to that chapter. Absolutely. Yeah. So, And it's, it's a beloved book, really mm -hmm. is. Uh, spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. Uh, Donald Whitney is the author, and for years... The, the way I discipled people was I would take them through this book because like Richard Foster's book, it uh, just focuses on disciplines, but it has a longer list of disciplines in that book. And, 
it's it's a good book to dialogue over. Uh, the Spirit of the Disciplines, uh, Dallas Willard. So Spirit of the Disciplines is really about that. It's about uh, some of the conversation we're having here. Why do the disciplines matter? And what role should they have in a believer's life? He also wrote Divine Conspiracy, which is just a longer version you know, in some yeah. ways of, um, of that book, uh, of Spirit of the Disciplines. The I guess the book that's really kind of influenced the series that we're in now is a, a more recent book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Comer really distills um, John Ortberg's writings. Ortberg wrote uh, a book called The Life You've Always Wanted, and it's on spiritual disciplines. The Life You've Always Wanted reads more like a, a book of sermons, but think of sermons from a really funny guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so uh, it, it's very accessible. And uh, The Divine Conspiracy, Dallas Willard, less accessible, but still, I mean, it's readable, but less accessible. Mm-hmm. What Comer does is he takes the thoughts of those two men who spent a lot of time focused on disciplines, and he kind of distills that into one work. And it's, it's an unusual style of writing, but I think it is a very helpful book. And uh, I'm really not just throwing props here. Tap is a book to consider as well, which is Yancey Arrington's book, his first book. Uh, because it's really, Yancey distills the, the you know, some, some deeper, heavier uh, writing and teaching mm-hmm. uh, into something that's very accessible and about how God works through the gospel. Uh, we access the gospel in disciplines and God works through the gospel to change our lives. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned that even in some of those books, you've taken someone that you are discipling through them so they can begin working through some of these spiritual disciplines and engage them. Um, what are some ways that you would recommend someone who maybe is a new believer? They just came to faith in Jesus. They want to know what it looks like to walk with him. How would you encourage them to begin some spiritual disciplines? Yeah. So, I mean, for years, if someone's a brand new follower of Jesus, um, one of the first things I want them to know is that once you come to faith in Jesus, you know Jesus, now it's time to walk with Jesus. Well, how do you walk with Jesus? What does that mean? And we walk with Jesus through the practicing of spiritual disciplines. And so the basic disciplines that I give to people are um, worship with your church. So worship is a discipline. And I say worship with your church because... I hear some people, it's pretty often really people will say, you know, I worship best in nature. So I worship best at the lake. And uh, and it's just not the same. It's not the same, not because there's anything wrong with worshiping at the lake, but because um, we don't grow in our understanding of Jesus and his word at the lake. We may grow in our understanding of creation. We may, you know, have these moments of transcendence, and there's nothing wrong with any of that, right? But that's not your discipline of worship. Your discipline of worship is to be with God's people, with the teaching of God's word, declaring our love for the God who who acted on our behalf to redeem us to himself, right? So... Um, I'd say worship with your church. Second, practice personal devotions. And by that, I mean set aside time to read the scripture and pray. It could be in the morning, it could be at night, whenever works best for that person. Typically, it's in the morning. Um, thirdly, give. 
again, addresses the number one idol of the heart, and, uh, and then serve, serve other people. Because our faith is not just about us. Our faith is about a community of people and about the mission of God in the world. And so uh, that's why serving is such an important piece of that. Now, having said that, uh, I do think there are keystone habits. You know, so keystone habits are those habits that we practice that allow us to do all these other habits that help us to stay on track. And I think the keystone habits in the Christian faith are community and Bible reading. Community, because if you do this, if you're in the room with other people regularly talking about what it means to know and follow Jesus, then you're going to find yourself practicing a lot of other habits too, because those people are probably going to be practicing spiritual disciplines, and I'm using habits and disciplines interchangeably. Um, And that's going to inspire and encourage you to practice those same disciplines. Reading the Bible is like that in that, how am I going to learn about fasting? I'm reading the Bible. How am I going to learn about celebration? Well, I'm reading the Bible, and this is all about celebration. You know, So those, uh, those two things help us stay rooted in all the disciplines and even help us grow in uh, all the disciplines along the way. That's good. All right. Well, thanks for your help on all this. I appreciate your heart for Jesus and his church and how you want to continue to grow even yourself and see God shape you. So thank you. Well, thank you, Ryan. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today.